Welcome to New Vision Church. It's a pleasure to have you join us for an impactful, uplifting, life-changing experience. Here are your announcements. As a church, we believe in giving God our first and our best. With that in mind, we have set apart every first Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of each month to fast and pray together. For the month of May, we will be celebrating Fast First from Monday, May 6th to Wednesday, May 8th. Take this moment to take down our prayer line number and join the movement. May 19th, we will be having baptisms here at New Vision. This is a time where we make a public declaration of our faith, declaring, together with our friends and family, that the old is gone and through Jesus, we have been made new. Don't miss this opportunity, sign up. As always, for more information to sign up for anything or for any questions or concern, you can visit our webpage at www.iamnewvision.com or download our app, I Am New Vision. This concludes your announcements. See you next week. All right, one person out of many. How are you? All right. Maybe you're a little worshiped out or, or I don't know. But I hope you're good. Um, how was your week? Good? Productive? Good? You know, I, I, have, I have some corny friends, right? Um, and I asked a friend of mine, how are you? He said, I'm good. If, I, if I'll be better, I'll be twins. I'm like, what does that even mean? Wow. It means there'll be two of them, so he'll be better, bestest. Um, yeah, I was like, that didn't land for me, man. I'm sorry. That it didn't. But um, how many of us were here last week? Or how many of you? It was a great word by Brother Rob. How many of you guys were blessed by that? The I am, who I am, and the th three things that God is. I heard it. I heard it. Um, and I was blessed by it. So thank you, Rob, for, for leading us on, on Sunday. Uh, we weren't here. Um, we were in my ordination service in, in Lakeland. Uh, thank you for your prayers and uh, for your congratulations. Uh, you don't have to call me reverent, but... I am a reverend. Um, <laughs> you can, if you if if you want to get you know something from me, you're like, hey, Reverend Will, you can you can text me that, and I'll be happy to be there and and operate in my office. Well, um, anyhow, uh, we are in this series called Renewal, right? And um, what is this series about? Why renewal? And I think that more than ever especially in the times that we live in, people are so dry. People are dry because people are running this crazy race that it's not even their race. And they try to catch up to what the norm should be or what the social status should be or what um, being successful should be, that people are just tired. And and people are, you know, running after this ghost of social media that they see someone else. And what they don't know is that that person is giving you a highlight reel and not the, not the real cuts of their life. And, and people are rushing and people are getting in debt. People are spending more than what they make trying to satisfy this unreal thing that the Lord didn't create for you. Man did. And... 
I, I was sharing with some of you guys in some of the chats is that our concept of failure, it truly flows from our definition of success, right? Like, how do you know you're successful? Well, you measure yourself by your failures. And I think that many of us are tired. Like, how do you know you're not successful? Like, where's the measuring chart for that? Like, for me, it's the Word of God. Like, the Word of God is telling me if I'm thriving or not, not society. And as we thought about this series, and I, and I was sharing this with Robert, we were thinking about three men of God that found renewal in crazy times. And would you agree with me that we're living in crazy times? Amen. I mean, you just got to take our, our government, our beloved president, <laughs> our this gender identity thing that your kids and, and my kids are going to have to go through. And I hope you're prayed up. Mm? It's not the pastor's job. It's your job for your children. I hope you're having devotional with your children. I hope you're anointing them in the middle of the night and covering them with the blood of Christ. Listen, in the next 10 years, we are going into, we're going into times that we've never lived before. And I know every parent tells their story and I know every parent talks about how bad it was and what the kind of things they dealt with. But when your parents, like my parents tell you, man, I pray for you. We didn't have to deal with it you know it's bad, right? Because your parents always want to magnify what they did as it was so big. Like, like I, I think I shared a couple of weeks ago, like, oh, they walked 20 miles to go to school and they wore one pair of pants for seven, eight weeks. And they want to like overblow how, how hard it was for them, right? And it doesn't happen to you. Like, oh, you guys have it all good, man. We used to walk 87 miles, then to walk 77 miles back, whatever. But when your parents are telling you, I'm going to pray for you because it's going to get bad. And I wish I could tell you differently, but it's going to get bad it, before it gets better. It, it's going to get, I mean, there's a gender crisis. There's crisis in marriages. Everything that the Lord has instituted, the enemy is trying to counterfeit. Right? He's, and I talked a lot about that during the, my message in Easter, that Jesus came to redeem what man did wrong, like the garden, like shame, like being naked before the Lord. So I just, this is not even part of my notes, but I just want you to pray for your family. I want you to pray for your children. I want you to be steadfast for your children. Don't take it lightly. Find out. Like I pop in, Marianne, pop, we pop in the boys' room. What you listening to? What you just tell Alexa? What's that? Let me get the, I print out the lyrics of the song. What do you mean? What's that? Like Shiloh yesterday was like, Papi, I don't even keep it 100. I keep it 300 like the Romans. I'm like, I'm like, where you heard that, boy? Sit down. What you say? Because it's too fast. Josiah, that's coming, man. You get ready, get ready, get ready. Times, times are difficult. And we have to be zealous with the things that the Lord entrusted us with. There's a lot of things, like I said a few messages ago, make the small things small and make the big things big. Christ in church is big. You, you need to get them, even if they don't want to, in here. You need to get them connected because they're going to need it, man. And renewal in Christ, we're, we're looking at three men, and, and, and Rob touched on Moses, how he found renewal in crazy times, you know. And today we're going to talk about one of the 
other guys that I love to talk about the Bible, and you probably heard this story before, but not like this. We'll talk about Elijah. And Elijah, I like to call him the bipolar prophet. Why bipolar? Because one moment, he's, he's a rainmaker, and the next moment, he's suicidal. One moment, he's full of power, and the next moment, he's telling the Lord, hey, take my life and take it now. So for you, if you felt that before, don't worry. Some great men of God, used by God, have felt that before. It's not weird to feel like giving up. Anyone in the room has felt like giving up before? Amen. Like, Lord, it's not worth it. It's yeah. why is this? And what's crazy is that we've experienced the move of God, but we go blank when troubles come and we forget what he did yesterday. We forget what he did last Sunday. We forget. Listen, I was telling the crowd this morning, we're so spoiled that we ask God for miracles, not knowing that waking up every day is a miracle. The fact that you drove here without an accident is a miracle. So we're, we're spoiled on this side of the world, what we ask the Lord. And due to the social standards is that now we want one as Lord's like, I'm giving you more than what you would ever need. So today we're going to talk about Elijah really quick. And we're going to go to the book of First Kings chapter 18. We're going to go verses 41 through 46. You ready? I know that was a long intro, but I think it was needed. All right, so let's go. So then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and go get something to drink. If that would have been a prophecy over my life, I would have said, I receive it. I, I receive it and I want it. Something to eat and drink, that's me, Lord. That's my word. I receive it. It's mine. For I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab, <laughs> we didn't have to convince him much. Ahab went to eat and to drink. But Elijah, he climbed to the mount, the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face in between his knees. Then he said to the servant, go out and look, I'm sorry, go and look out towards the sea. The servant went and looked and then he returned to Elijah and said, I don't see anything. I didn't see anything. Seven times, Elijah told him to go and look. 44. Finally. Everyone say finally. finally. Everyone say finally. finally. The seventh time, his servant told him, hey, I see a little, itty bitty, itty, a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising. It's rising from the sea. That's interesting. Then Elijah shouted, hurry, hurry to Ahab and tell him to climb into his chariot and go back home, that if you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. It's a prophetic before it happened. And soon, everyone say soon. soon. The sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. This is, this is special strength, not common, not regular, but special strength, and, this is why, and here's why. He tucked his cloak into his belt. In other words, he just tied up his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. 
So just so you know, he was running, and the guy was in a, in a chariot, and he beat them, and he beat them there. That's what he calls supernatural strength. I wish the Lord would give me supernatural strength when I'm playing basketball on Saturdays so I can just do something I can commonly do. And he ran, and he made it there before him all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. And, and he ran fast because he was ready for the rain. So ask your neighbor, are you ready for the rain? See, I am, I am a fan of creative process more than the completion of the process. Like, um, in music and in sports, like, I like to see the, for, for those sports fans, I like to see, like, the 30 for 30 on, on such guy, you know, before he was a star, like, you know, he'll, you know, catching the bus to go to practice, you know, skinny and, you know, or if it's music, the creative process, like, we enjoy the hit, but there was a creative process. And one of the things I've understood about the process is that the beginning never looks like the end. If you were to hear a song when they started, when they grabbed that first uh, voice memo and, and heard it, you would have been like, ah, that's never going to be a hit. Then when the creative process is over, then you have all these hits that they didn't start that way. Or you see these athletes, like, I love the story of, we don't like them down here very much, but hey, I love the story of Tom Brady. The process that he went through, the beginning surely does not look like his end. Today, he's considered the greatest quarterback of all time, but if I would have told you in that draft that he was coming out, that he was going to be the greatest quarterback of all time, you would have been, we'll get off the weed. Because it didn't look that way. See, the reason that people tend to give up on the God's dream, on God's dream over the life is that they're so focused on the destiny that when they go through the process and it's not looking like the destiny, they give up. See, and I came to tell you this morning that God is calling us to appreciate the small beginnings. God is calling us to appreciate the rough times. Like, I love the story of, of Jeff Bezos with, um, with Amazon. I love the story of the guys from Microsoft. They all getting, you know, and Mark Cuban, all getting them into a one-bedroom apartment, getting part-time jobs. It didn't look like what it is today, but they, they, they were believing for something that started small. And, you know, today I just want to talk about three stages. Everyone say three. Three stages that you need to endure in order, three stages of the drought that you need to endure in order to reach that renewal in the rain. Are you still with me? Oh, yeah. yeah, and I believe that these three stages are very clear in my text today. And, I'm, and, and my prayer is that you're able to see them as clear as I saw them. And the first stage, if you're taking notes, take notes. If you're not taking notes, man, take notes because I want you to go over this message Thursday afternoon when it really sucks, when you can't see anything, when you feel God is not working. I want you to go back to your notes and pray about the man. The first stage is the invisible stage. The invisible stage. And many of us this morning it's possible that we're in this stage right now. Meaning that what we hear, 
doesn't match up to what we see. I don't know if it happens to you when you read the Bible, but this surely happens to me. Don't you read some Bible verses that you wish were your reality? Is it only, only me? That you read, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but what you're really feeling is I can do nothing through Christ because I have no strength. See, one of the dichotomies of, of, of the, our Christian walk, and, and this is a seminary word, is the eschatomology, is it? Eschatomology of, the tension of eschatomology of God's word. So let me break that down. It's a tension between God, what he said, and what's happening. In other words, God can say it and believe it because he's the alpha and the omega. He's looking at it from the omega piece, yet you are walking and viewing it from the alpha piece. Does that make sense to you? So in other words, what God has promised, he's like, believe it, my child. And I'm like, it is easy for you to believe it because you're God and you know the end result. It's hard for me and I struggle with that tension because the word that you're giving me right now is not coming forth in my current season. Does that make sense? So that's the struggle with our tension. It's like, God, I hear you, but I don't see that. God, you said you will heal, uh, heal my marriage. That's what you say, but that's not what I see. God, you, you say that you, you're going to be Jehovah Jireh, my provider. That's what, you, that's what I hear, but that's not, that's not what I see. Is there anyone that has been in that stage of the invisible stage where you hear the sound of rain, where you hear the sound of... And you know what the danger is to that? The danger becomes when you share it with someone else. That someone else is going to ask for tangible proof that you can't produce. <laughs> oh, the Lord told me, man, that, or, or I've received from the Lord that he has this type of ministry for my life, this call, or he's going to use me in this manner, or that he's going to be providing for me. And, and they look at you like, oh, dude, all I see is struggle right now. I don't see what you're saying. We read in verse 42... That, sorry, go, go to verse 41, Greg. Sorry about that. He says, go, he tells Ahab to go and drink, for I hear, I hear that a mighty storm is coming. Let me ask you, how do you respond when what you hear doesn't match up to what you see? Can I be honest? This is the crowd I can be, I get, I get upset. I start doubting. I start double checking and going back and say, hey, you know, mic check, one, two, Lord, did you really mean this or did I, did my emotions get involved? Because that happens. Did my own desires get involved? This is what you, this is what I perceived that you, was I wrong? But Elijah was full of faith. He said to Ahab, that man, this was bold. This, let me give you some background. They were going through a famine for three and a half years. Think about that. In other words, um, let's say, just for the sake of argument, that it hasn't snowed in South Florida for five years, right? And I come to you and I said, Church of God, the Lord is telling me that tomorrow I want you guys to buy snow boots and I want you guys to buy coats and I want you guys to buy shovels and 
because it's gonna snow. That's what I hear. And you guys are like, well, it hasn't snowed in South Florida in five years. So the context is that what he's declaring that's happening is something they haven't seen in a long while. And think about the following. You know why it's not raining? Because Elijah asked for the Lord to close the heavens. In other words, I'm the responsible party for the famine. And the reason that he's hiding is because Jezebel, if you're married to a Jezebel, don't look to your left or to your right, or you know a Jezebel. Because Jezebel is looking for him, so he's, in, he's running, and he is now faced with the reality that they might kill me if it doesn't rain. Because I asked for this. Verse 42. So Ahab went to eat and drink. Ahab was like, I, I believe you. I'm going to be obedient. And it doesn't take a lot of faith to go eat and drink, right? I mean, it doesn't take supernatural spirituality to go eat and drink. But Elijah knew his position. Let me ask you again. What's your reaction when what you hear doesn't match up to what you see? The Bible says that he bowed low to the ground. And if I was 10 years younger, I would do that. Low to the ground and he prayed with his face in between his legs. In other words, acknowledging that you are a sovereign God and this is my posture of worship and humility before you before I ask you something. Do we come asking or do we come demanding? You said, or Heavenly Father, <laughs> there is a drought in my land. And he prayed with his face in between his knees and what the Lord was revealing and what I was sensing is that our attitude and our posture while we wait for the promise matters. It matters how you wait. One of the things I always tell the boys and you know, children, they're, they, they want things right now. Like if you're driving with your kids, like my kids are every, we, we're pulling out of, of, our, of our, you know, our gated community and they're like, are we there yet? I'm like, you're, you're seeing that we're pulling out of the gated community. Are we there? Are we, the kid, you know, it's like the kids, we want stuff now. But what's our reaction when it's not coming about? Do we say, screw this, or this is not going to happen, or Lord, you were wrong, or that can't be me. The invisible stage to me, personally, is the toughest stage. Because there's nothing tangible that you can produce, not only to yourself, but the people asking you, hey, Denise, um, I thought the Lord told you that. What do you do with that? Do you come before the Lord with your face in between your knees and saying, God, I'm not going to move here until I see you do what I hear? And he, he you know, he places himself in, in verse 43. He says to his servant, go. And this is where I become like a, a Bible geek. Then he said to his servant, go out and look towards the sea. Let me ask you something. Why didn't he go himself? It's not a trick question. I just really want to know. He believed it. Why is he asking him 
Why is he asking his servant to confirm a word the Lord gave him? Validation. You know what I think? I think that he didn't want his eyes to see nothing. I believe Elijah said, this is my posture right now to search for you. And if, because we walk by and not by. So if my eyes see nothing, my faith may get flaky. So instead of going out and seeing if you're doing it, I'm going to stay right here in my position until you do it. And he tells his servant, go out, look again. Now, can you imagine being the servant? Like, for Spanish, for pa' que, brother? Like, like, otra vez? Really? Again? And, and think about this. This is a man that just slaughtered the prophets of Baal. So I'm not sure if Elijah's the dude that you want to give bad news to. He just came from... This, this, this is one of the MVPs of the Bible. So he's coming from a victory, and you're going to tell him, uh, Brother Elijah, prophet, <laughs> hey, prophet, there is nothing. Now let me ask you something. Was there really nothing? Was there really nothing? For those, for those of us that, that remember elementary school, do you guys remember the process of rain? Can someone tell me the process of rain? Evaporates from the condensation. condensation of the surface of the ocean. So even if you don't see nothing, that doesn't mean that nothing is happening. I've learned this in my Christian walk, and if you, if, if you learned this concept, it will change your walk. And I preached about this a few months back. With Christ, there's never nothing. He's never doing nothing. Even if you can't see it, like we sing in the song, even if I don't see it, you're working, you never stop, you never stop. Even if you don't see it, he's still at work. If you believe that, say amen. amen. So the first stage is what? The invisible stage. The invisible stage. Verse 44. Finally, everyone say finally. finally. The seventh time his servant told him, I see, I saw a little cloud. And he kind of like downplays what he saw. He's like, eh, it's, uh, it's nothing too big. It's the size of a man's hand. And it's rising from the sea that Elijah celebrated that, which leads me to my second stage, which is the insignificant stage. The insignificant stage, it's not invisible. Now it's not nothing. Now it's something, but it's too small. We have a, a couple friend, that are friends of ours, um, Jose and Jenny, and his, his wife taught, Jenny, she taught me something about celebrating the small things that, that it's changed my life forever. With Jenny, you, you can give her like a, a gum and she'll throw a parade for it. She'd be like, oh, this is the greatest gum ever. Like, at the beginning, I thought it was an act. Like, 
dude, I just gave you a cup of water. She will celebrate everything small. See, what happens is that when we celebrate small victories, it works, it works, it works in our gratefulness and that we are ready because we're faithful in the small. Faithfulness is related to being grateful. When you're faithful and you are grateful for the small, you can be ready and grateful for the big things. See, and I think that many of us are losing sleep. Many of us are exhausted. Many of us are trying to change our spouses. We're trying to change our workplaces. We're trying to change our careers because we forgot to celebrate the small things. Like I was talking to the guys and I was telling them, the, the next person that tells me that they need quality time with their family, I'm gonna slap them in the face. Then they're my boys, so I can talk like that. I was like, then I repented. <laughs> but you don't understand that you have the opportunity to spend quality time every day? The thing is that we don't view it because we need the whole spectacle. We need the whole production. We need that seven day, six night vacation on a cruise. It's like, walk with your sons in the park. 10 minutes, let that air sink in. Be grateful that you're able to have children when there's people that can't. Be grateful that you have a home to come back to. Wives, husbands, be happy that he came back from work. I know, I know wives that are still waiting for him. I know you're not going to say amen. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> we've, we've forgotten to celebrate the small things. And we're bitter because, oh man, uh, I just went to the drive-thru at McDonald's. I'm too bad because it wasn't prime 112. Uh, like, I got a little job, but since I'm not the CEO, or, or I got to spend this little time, but it wasn't a Jamaican cruise. And man, I, and I share this because I've, it's been heavy in my spirit. I see some of you struggling for approval, struggling for validation, struggling to fit this mold of that's what I'm going to celebrate when I get my home, when I buy my house, and when I buy my car, and when I have the job. And just like, I'm doing it. You're just not seeing it. See, one of the things that happened to Elijah along the way is that he met the widow. Y'all remember that episode that just had a little bit of oil and the Lord kept reproducing the oil? Y'all remember that episode? Sometimes in the drought, God is going to allow you to encounter people that have less than you so you can be grateful for what you already have. When you spend time with someone that has less than you and they're grateful for what they have, Man, that confronts you. That confronts you. It's confronted me in the past. And I just want to sit in this moment for a little bit because I feel this is, a, is an epidemic in our society and it's an epidemic in our church. We don't celebrate new vision because we're not at that level. We're not celebrating the little things God is doing in this room because we're measuring up to something God is doing somewhere else and we're losing the joy of what the Lord is doing now. In your lives, think about it. Do you celebrate the fact that you can you could come home and, and kiss your children and put them to bed? Are you rejoicing with the fact that you were able to go online and pay a bill? See, we become so spoiled in what we consider a miracle. The Lord is saying that very breath in your lungs right now is a miracle. I'm the giver and taker. I can take it at any moment. You still have it. Enjoy it. 
The Bible says that he got up. He didn't tell him, I'll come back to me when you see a ton of clouds. He said he got up. The Bible says, verse 44, I believe, that he jumped. He jumped and he said, hurry, let's celebrate this. Because he knew. This is a challenge that I'm going to give you for the next 30 days. And I promise you this is going to change your life. All the areas in your life that you believe that are insignificant, when you're doing it, say, this is significant. Mothers, when you're making that breakfast for your children at 7 in the morning before they go to school, that you're tired, and you're like, man, I wish I could have gotten some more sleep. As you're making, this is significant. As you're changing that diaper, <laughs> that's a challenge for some of us. This is significant. When you can lock your doors at night and you can go to bed with your wife and you're honoring marriage, say to yourself, this is significant. When you have a place to worship that you can come, man, we get together with pastors from all over the world that tell me that people have to uh, be meeting in the sewers and people have to be, uh, people can't even be back. This here, this little group, this is significant. We got to start viewing our lives differently. We got to start measuring our lives according to what the Lord wants for us. So what's stage number two? The insignificant stage. And you may be there. I know I've been there. When I look at something, I'm like, oh, big deal. Okay, big deal. When you're pumping gas, this is significant. This is significant. When you can put your children to bed, this is, this is significant, this is significant, this is significant. And maybe some of us are missing years. You know, I speak to my parents every day. And one of the things my parents tell me is that the house is so empty, Will. My mom says, the thing I complained about is the thing I long for now. She tells me every day, enjoy them every single minute. Next thing you know, you're going to wake up and you're going to say, Papi, I keep it 300 like the Romans. <laughs> when you take them, say, this is, this is significant. Now, let me just teach for a moment. There's nothing spiritual to this. Our brains are wired for survivor, survival. How many of you guys watch that show, Survivor? Is that still on? Yeah. Really? Yeah, they still do it. Oh, wow. Yo, Survivor, you know, uh, I know, and I'm honest with myself, I will be the first one voted off the island. I have, I have very, uh, very little to no Survivor skills. I, I'm, I'm honest. It's, it's, it's not my area of gifting. But, but we're all wired with, with the instinct of survival. Like if, that's why if you go to a pool and you like, you know, get under the water, when your lungs can't take it anymore, your, inst you don't even, your brain just sends a, a signal. You, you, you pop. We're, it's our instinct to survive. So what happens is that when we are faced with the insignificant stage and the Lord starts doing something in our lives, our first go-to move is to run. 
Some of us are better, better surviving than thriving. <laughs> Some of us operate better in survival mode. And let me tell you, easy. A test that you need to take. You cram it in the night before. <laughs> Something you need to turn in at work. And all of a sudden, you're, you, you, you close the door in your office because nobody can bother me. But you knew that thing was due. You're waking up at 3 in the morning because you need to turn a paper in because you had three weeks to do it. We, we love to operate in survival mode, but it's hard for, for us to operate in a thriving mode. And this is what happened to Elijah. This, to me, was... I couldn't understand this. So this is a man that has been used by the Lord, yes or no? Yes, he has been used. The Lord has provided for him in the brook has provided for him. He had birds dropping him off, Popeyes. Like, like this dude, he had that type of connection with the Lord. And this is what happens. 1 Kings 19, verses 2 and 3. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods, lowercase g, strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you as you killed them, talking about the prophets. If that would have been me, and I just perform all these miracles, I would have said, bring it on, Jezebel. I'm on fire right now. If I pray for you, I'll kill you. <laughs> I'm on fire. The Lord has used me so powerfully. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid. Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Bathsheba, a town of Judah, and he left. He said, listen, hide here, deuces. And he left his servant there. Go back to verse 2. Let me ask you this question again, the Bible geek in me. If she was going to kill him, why did she send a message beforehand? Leads me to my final point. It's the intimidation stage. We'll get there. <laughs> intimidation stage. See, her purpose was never to kill him. It was just to intimidate him. If she could kill him, why is she warning him? Hey, tomorrow, by this time, I'm going to kill you. She was queen. She could have just sent her man and killed him. This is what the enemy does when the Lord starts doing something in your life that even looks like it's small. When things start coming about, the enemy starts sending voices to your life, voices to your ears telling you, hey, this is not going to happen. Before this happens, you're going to die. People are not going to believe you. You are not worthy of this. My hey, listen, what well, your past life, it's going to come up. This shame and... And you run, and this is, this is my closing, you run from the thing that you prayed for. And how many of us have prayed for something and when it starts happening, we start freaking out? 
you start running from the same thing you prayed for. God, I want you to give me a woman that loves you. I want you to give me a marriage that honors you. Marriage starts getting tough and you want to run away for the thing that you were just praying for and you had me pray for that too. Lord, Lord, give me a job. I need a job. Lord, I want to be your servant. I want to give my life to you. I want to serve you. You start serving and it's getting tough and now you want to run away. The thing that you prayed, see, that's why we got to be careful with our prayers. When you say, God, open up the heavens, you're not being specific, and he's going to open up the heavens. He's going to open up the heavens for blessings, but open up the heavens for opportunities. So people are going to come knocking on your door that need from you, and you're going to retrieve. Because it's not for us, it's for them. See, and I believe, personal testimony, that I've hovered too long in the intimidation stage. I've seen him do some things. I see a cloud the size of a man's hand, and when the clouds and the sky gets dark, I'm like, you know, I'm just little old Will, and we're just little old new vision. Eh. Ah. Intimidation, and the enemy starts dropping things in the ears of many of you, and we start retrieving from what the Lord wants to do. He intimidates us. I've learned this principle, and with this I'm closing. The, the enemy can't stop God from sending the rain. The enemy can only stop you from seeing the rain. It's the only thing he can do. He can distract you enough and intimidate you enough that you start running from the very thing that you prayed for. So we're all looking for renewal. One way or another, everyone in this room wants to be replenished. Amen? Amen. One way or another, we're feeling tired in some areas. Is there anyone that feels like that? that we, we feel that we're searching and we're fighting the wind and, and we want more and we, and, and we need certain certainties and validations of some things. And for God to, okay, God, you said this, but time is passing and I'm not seeing it. What am I going to do? And the Lord is like, I need you to do two things. I need you to put your head in between your knees and pray. And I need you to look again. You think your marriage sucks? Look again. Look again. With, there's never nothing. There's always something you can find the size of a, of a, cl a cloud of a size of a man's hand. That can be the starting point that could catapult you to your next season. The Bible says, do not despise the small beginnings. The destination never looks like the process. The end product doesn't look like the journey. Don't run from the thing you prayed for. With God is, see, I love, play of, I love the play of words of this following statement. You see the statement that says nothing is impossible for God, right? Have you heard that before? But also, nothing is impossible for God. 
God doing nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is impossible for God. There's always something. So I'll close with the question I asked you to begin the service. The, the, the message, I'm sorry. Are you ready for the rain? Now, now that you have some context, you can evaluate your life and know where you stand today. Are you in the invisible stage? Are you in the insignificant stage? Let me just go back. Invisible, I hear, but I don't see. Insignificant, I see, but it's too small. Or the intimidation stage is that I see it's too small, but it's, 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 I, I can't do it, it's not for me. And we run in either stage from the thing that God promised. I want us to stand to our feet this afternoon. Something I've learned when being in a group of people is to never assume. Don't assume by the clothes. Don't assume by the smile on their faces. Don't assume, don't assume by the words that they're using, the Sunday words. Sometimes you just never know the state of someone's soul. You may see someone there sitting and applauding and singing and they're having a battle for their life right now. Someone that can be in this room willing to throw their marriage away, willing to throw their walk with Christ away, you, you never know. I've learned to never assume just because you don't see it in their faces. You never know. The people that I've had around my life that committed suicide, I could have, I could have never told you that was the case with them. I, I didn't see the signs. Because we're like programmed survival. Our, we're programmed to put up a front because we don't want nobody in. So I've learned to not assume that. I've learned to assume that we're all struggling. There's a Spanish phrase that doesn't translate the same, but everyone has their skeletons in their closets. Everyone is struggling with something or someone. Don't believe the hype. Don't, don't matter what you see on social media. Don't matter what you see from up here. Everyone is. And I always say the most powerful words you can share from an altar is me too. So this morning, I don't, I don't, I don't even want us to go into song. We can just let some pads ride. I, I want us to have an honest and bold moment. As you close your eyes, let's just remain in reverence in this room, please. I really sense this, and I say this with all the fear of the Lord in my heart. 
God is moving you to just go and embrace someone, you don't even have to pray for them. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord intercedes with groans. The Lord is moving just to just, you don't have to say, just, just embrace someone. I know it's a little, maybe a little out of your comfort zone, but I know. Join us next week for another powerful word. See you soon. Be blessed.